Yo! Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Where It Went podcast, where we are discussing the Revelation Records discography in chronological order. And this week, we have part two of a discussion on a very monumental record. Greg, what are we talking about this week? Actually, I forgot. We're going to try and stop saying this week. What are we talking about this episode? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when, when Javier and I started, I think even maybe when we did like episode triple zero, we mentioned how certain episodes might have to get a part two. We weren't really sure. You know, originally we talked about keeping them like, we're going to keep them 45 minutes or an hour. Oh yeah, totally. I was like, I don't want to listen to a fucking three hour podcast. <laughs> which is laughable now. And but, then, and then podcast guy, Jason is like, yeah, it's cool. As long as it's like interesting, like, fuck it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how long it is. Yeah. Multiple people told me like, they'll listen mm-hmm. over a couple days and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, but, um, so we're, we're doing part two of start today. So, you know, I know sometimes with podcasts, part two will just be like, Hey, we did a big interview with the band or the person and we're cutting it in half. And part one, we, we are doing something a little different where we talk to all new people. So, you know, we had the idea of, you know, when you're looking through the layout and you see the backup vocals, it's like an all-star cast of people. You have members of judge, you have members of youth of today, you have members of sick of it all. Um, you have Toby from H2O, you have Gus Straight Edge. So I thought, why don't we talk to some of the people that went and did these gang vocals and um, see if they have any cool memories of just, you know, not only recording, but of that era of Gorilla Biscuits. So we, uh, for this episode, are talking to Toby Morse from H2O, who was completely unknown at the time of doing backups. He was living in a closet like he talks about. Um, and then, uh, Sammy Siegler, everyone knows Sammy. We've had him on here before. Um, and Porcel. So, uh, it was a really cool conversation. And we also got to talk to Porcel and Sammy about playing in Gorilla Biscuits because after this album came out, you know, they went through a lot of lineup changes and eventually, um, we had a lineup that had Sammy and Porcel in it. So, uh, I think it's a cool conversation. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else to add before we? Well, I just think it goes along with our recurring theme of talking to not the usual suspects. You know, some people might look at the the graphic for this week and be like, why are you talking to Toby about Gorilla Biscuits? But like, like you said, he was there. Yeah. And he can give a different perspective on this stuff. And um, even Walter in part one of this was like i listened to the seven inch and got luke and arthur's perspectives and he maybe they talked about stuff he didn't know before and so i think if we're presenting this information to the world about these records it's important to give as many viewpoints as possible from the people who were there the people who had a hand in the production in playing have stories stories on the road or whatever it's actually really cool and it goes a little bit deeper than maybe you know toby making a social media post about it like oh i i here's the gorilla biscuits record i love this record and that that doesn't 
you know, it's not a conversation. So right, he got to actually talk about his connection and, um, you know, the song Cats and Dogs in particular, and how that literally changed the trajectory of his life. I mean, one of the things Toby's known for is being an outspoken, uh, you know, animal rights activist, and you know, to always talking about you know veganism, vegetarianism. And to know that like this record and this song was really what set him on that path. Like we wanted to pick his brain a little bit. And I think it was a fun conversation. I do want to add one thing. Um, in this interview, I know we kind of jokingly referred to talking about, you know, I, I think I used the quote that I used to hear when I was younger. Start today is the age of quarrel for girls. So I figured I'd, give this now obviously we don't feel this way um yeah. this was something that we'd heard this was also in a in a different time yeah uh, you know it's you know, in the 90s when yeah it's um, crazy to think of how far we've come even in the past five years mm -hmm. with as a society as a scene and making it a safer place for all all people Regardless of, you know, because hardcore always talks about uh, being free of racism and being free of yeah. sexism and all that. But we, if you've been around for long enough, you know that that's not true. And I tell my wife all the time, like, I, I kind of grew up in a Lost Boys situation and not necessarily the vampire kind of Lost Boys, but the Peter Pan Lost Boys. Like, we were just a bunch of fucking kids running around with no direction no guidance nobody telling us like hey it's not cool to talk to girls this way hey it's not cool to talk to you know different classes this way like yeah we had records and we had lyrics but so what like you know uh just today actually in this book that i was reading the antimatter anthology porcel was talking about how um someone told him oh uh Vregi kishore victor was saying you know i used to watch Ray Capo scream, make a change from stage, but like never saying how you make a change or what that change entails. And I think now in 2020, we're finally all like on, a lot of us are on a, a bigger page where we can start to have these conversations and start to change feelings. Yes. And man, either you jump ship or you get pushed off or you fucking help steer the ship, you know? Yeah. So yes there we did make some jokes and they were you know a, a product of a different time and you go and watch movies from even 10 15 years ago and people say really bad dumb shit so we're, we're we recognize that we are all uh growing and breaking right. free from this and stuff. like you know the the whole the whole crux of it really was just more so to show how inclusive Gorilla Biscuits are. Mm. I think it's really a testament to them. And, you know, I, I want to say it was Porcel in the interview brought up how girls would come to their shows. And you weren't seeing that with like Youth of mm. Today and um, Bold and all that. Mm. And that's awesome. So, yeah. but of course, as, and especially back in the uh, 90s and late 80s, and of course, even before, I mean, this stuff's been going on for years, but you know, you'll have those jokes. So that was kind of where the whole age of quarrel for girls. But I think if you really dissect it, 
what it's what that whole joke is saying is just showing how universal this record is. I think um, so too. And and I say all the time that bringing it down was my age of quarrel. Uh, bringing it down was my record where it's like this record is hard as fuck. It's from New York. It's from kind of around-ish the same time. But I didn't identify with the kind of Chromax brand of New York hardcore or of hardcore. And I still don't. That's not me. Like, I can appreciate those records. But uh, I more identified, especially growing up in Orange County, California, with Revelation, kind of the Revelation Records branch of that tree, Gorilla Biscuits Judge, Youth of Today, and if people want to view that as soft, S-A-W-F-T, soft. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Yeah, fuck it. You know, like <laughs> I, we talk a lot in our group chat about like Workshed Records today we were talking about. And we talk about Instead a lot. We, t- we talk about hardcore so much. Oh my God, I was I, think, I was thinking like, I, because of this podcast, have listened to purchased talked about more hardcore than possibly even when i was a teenager like and that's saying something like it's like people will be like oh did you check out this new and it'll be like something cool that's not hardcore and i'll be like i don't even have time like i'm just listening to all this stuff you know to do the i mean i'm enjoying it but to do you know research for the podcast and it's cool that there's more information out there now than there was maybe exactly. at the time when you were coming so, out from that viewpoint but yeah like we're we're always just talking about it. so I, I wanted to just interject that in there and i think also i get a lot of feedback from people who listen to the show and friends who are like even walter saying oh yeah i went and listened to bold on spotify and i had he's yeah. like i hadn't listened to bold and i i don't know how long and then it made him listen to other things he didn't go into what bands but he was talking about this, this is also, by the way... Uh, I think he, he was this, talking about uh, Count Me Out, The Mistake, and One Up. <laughs> well, he, he talks about all this stuff. We have an, a segment called Having My Say on this podcast, and it's only available if you subscribe to us on Patreon. And so what I do is I take snippets that didn't make it into the actual interview or like while we're kind of just warming up, waiting for everyone to get in the Zoom chat, and I edit it together and it's like, you know, maybe five, six minutes. And you can hear these by going to www.whereitwentpodcast.com and clicking the links to find our Patreon and then subscribing at any, I make this available at any level. Uh, we have four different levels. And so anyway, Walter was talking about uh, even he was listening to some of the stuff. And, you know, I have people who are like uh, my, my dude, uh, Nathan Bean, from the UK was like, yeah, I have never, I don't think I've ever heard Slipknot, you know, and, and there's a, there's going to be a lot of these conversations with people in the next, especially couple years when we start moving into the nineties and two thousands where they're not familiar with these records or they haven't listened to them as much. But I think all of us are already prepping, listening to, you know, records that we didn't necessarily grow up with loving uh, yeah, I mean, I because of this podcast, I'm on like a huge Dan O kick. Like I wasn't, you know, we talked about like no for an answer being like a peripheral thing for me. And now I'm like, I just bought Thought Crusade on eBay. Um, you know, 
I'm buying Carry Nation t-shirts. <laughs> and like we were talking about work shit earlier. And like I'm really diving in. So if that does it for me, yeah, I can imagine what it's doing for people listening. I mean, we have a review on iTunes. I think our most recent review was something like, it's causing me to go and buy all these on vinyl. Thanks, guys. I didn't need that money. Yeah. Um, well, for but, me, it's cassettes. Like, I'm bummed because I just missed out on an eBay auction of a lot of cassettes that included iceburn and iceburn tape. Like, like I fucking need an iceburn cassette in 2020, you know? But also, I need an iceburn cassette in 2020. Yeah. So, I guess you mentioned the Patreon, but real quick before we get to the interview, I think it's probably still a good time to... So I just want to give a, a bit of bow to all our patrons and especially, you know, new patrons. I, I kind of had a feeling when we started this that like the start today episode was going to be the one where more people were kind of aware that we existed and uh, people didn't disappoint. I feel like we had a lot of engagement and a lot of people um, maybe that didn't know about us and started checking us out. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Like Javier said, check out the uh, Patreon. It helps support us. This takes a lot of time. Uh, you know, we do need a lot of stuff for research. As you can tell, we do, we do our homework, but, you know, it takes resources, books, and having the records and things like that. Um, and just, you know, costs of maintaining the Patreon, equipment, or maintaining the podcast, equipment, hosting fees, website fees, all that stuff. So it's really appreciated. We do have a Google Voice number. So uh, the next release, I'm not necessarily saying it's the next episode, but the next release is uh, the Slipknot 7-inch. So like I said, I'd really like people who maybe haven't listened to give it a listen and give us your thoughts in like a minute-long voicemail, and we'll play some of them. The number is 949-274-9992. Um, so again, nine four nine two seven four nine 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 two. I want to give—I don't want to steal anyone's thunder, but I want to give a bit of bow to uh, Young Blood Records. Yeah, uh, you know me. Yo, and Jason, bit of bow, uh, yeah. bit of bow. Uh, Sean, I've known Sean for God like twenty years at least. Um, great dude, great label. I love that the label's still going, and like the clothing is kind of like its own own animal right like mm-hmm. it's like you know i see like young blood records they have sweatpants and hoodies and stuff and uh it's kind of cool like it's it's a label that started in the 90s putting out what like the rancor seven inch or something yeah and it's still going on now and like relevant so that's awesome and sean's a, a supporter of the pod so yeah you know i for a long time stayed away from i guess what we would call youth crew revival or third wave youth crew or whatever. And so I'm very wary about liking some of the, or even giving some of these bands a chance. But uh, I've always paid attention. I've always paid attention to Youngblood Records. And I think because honestly, their table at This Is Hardcore always looks so fucking cool. And yeah. there's so much cool merch. Yeah. And I think uh, I'm, I'm late to the game with the label, but what really drew me to the label was the discrepancy stuff because I thought that discrepancy was going to be like the savior of Orange County Hardcore. 
I thought that they were going to really, you know, kind of carry the torch, so to speak, and and be one of the the um, at the forefront of the scene here and get people into like singing along and stage diving and stuff, and then they just fucking disappeared real mm. quick. So is that always the way, right? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, not always, yeah, but yeah, a yeah. lot of times. And so, but but uh, so anyway, bit at bow to young blood and discrepancy for having like at least a brief shining moment of Orange County hardcore pride. Yeah, and then I guess finally, uh, bit at bow to friend of the pod, uh, Chris Wyatt has a podcast coming out um this i believe this week called nickel city uh their social media instagram is um ncs underscore podcast so they're going through uh you know a deep dive into like buffalo hardcore i had the privilege of hearing the first episode with daryl from snapcase and uh, it was really interesting um lots of stuff i didn't know they talk about the first album looking glass self so uh, be on the lookout for that. My favorite Snapcase record. Not my favorite, but it made me go back and listen to it. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I'm very interested in this podcast. I've always had a attraction to Buffalo Hardcore. And I think maybe that stems from my love for the early Scott Vogel bands, Slugfest and Despair. Not in that a- order, Despair and Slugfest. I fucking loved Despair, man. You'll be into it. There's a, they do uh, another interview is with, uh, I want to say, I'm not super well versed in those bands, but Jay Galvin, is he from Slugfest? I don't know. Um, So they take, they take a a deep Mm -hmm. dive into the Slugfest demo. Buffalo Um, was the first city that I visited uh, as an adult with my own money. I flew to Buffalo in like 97, talked about this before, and I saw some really cool shows. I got to see Despair and Boy Sets Fire in a basement. And uh, I bought the Left for Dead demo cassette from Chris Callahan at a Sick of It All gig at the Showplace Theater in Buffalo. And uh, I've just always had a lot of friends. The, the kind of the Buffalo, Syracuse, Erie, that like, you know, three city triangle when I was in touring bands. So many great people and so many great bands. And uh, also a bit at Boda Mighty Taco. <laughs> yeah so so be on the lookout for it. it's cool like i said the, yeah. the i learned a lot about the Snapcase um record that i didn't know recording with i don't want to spoil much but you know cool stories recording with don fury and uh you know all this stuff so check it out so i guess jason you got anything or did i steal uh, your thunder with young blood oh yeah i was gonna shout out young blood bit of Bo young blood um bit of Bo dave brown from virginia beach because he went on a detective mission and pulled out what I thought was the chunking GB tape, which maybe just is a practice tape. But <laughs> and and you know Walter talked about that. He talked about making those tapes with two boom boxes. Yeah. Um. And so to me, just the little clip that you played for us, I think that that's what that is. The music. Yeah. It almost just sounded like Walter sings the hits. You know, with Walter singing, like, and it's it's got, I feel like some of the same, I don't know. There's, man, the archaeology that's happening with Start Today as a result of our podcast is fucking crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. So and I like hope it is. To, I, I hope yeah. it's the Chung King tape, fingers crossed. But 
we've talked I to some other other people yes. that I don't want to spoil, but you know, we get even more information. It's like it comes in little bits, but I say we get on to the interview with uh, Toby, Sammy, and Porcel. Let's go. Let's do it. Hey, you know what? Before we get into it, I remember seeing a Rev uh, ad at one point, and it was talking about Gorilla Biscuits, and it said, the first two letters say it all. <laughs> oh, I like oh. that. Go. Dude, I like that. Yeah, I right? was like, jib? <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, let's fucking go. That's good. All right, shall we get this started? Yeah, let's do it, guys. All right, so today we're here with some people who had, you know, some stuff to do with Start Today, but maybe didn't play on the actual album, but we're all involved in some aspect with Gorilla Biscuits. So we have Porcel, Sammy, and Toby Morse, which some people might be thinking, like, what what are these guys got to talk about Start Today? But I think... Greg, Jason, and I have talked enough about this to where we have some really interesting questions. We could fill in some gaps in history and some interesting perspectives on that album and on maybe like the sunset of Gorilla Biscuits as a band in the, you know, the first time. So Greg, why don't you kick it off with your question here? So one of the things I always noticed when, when looking through the record is you look at the backups list on the you know on the lyric sheet and the backups we have gus sam craig porcel lou armand toby pete matt and dylan so it's like one of these things where it's all first names but like we (laughs) we know who all the people are right um so it looks like it's the entire uh sick of it all right minus um i guess rich was at the bass play at the time i don't see him on here yeah cipriano yeah and then Judge, right, was that, is Matt, Matt Pincus, or was it, uh, does anyone remember if it was Matt Pincus? I don't, it could have been Matt, I don't, I don't remember. And I, then, don't, I, don't, I don't remember either, if that was, I don't think that was Pincus, man, I'm not sure. Do you know any other Matts? I mean, Matt Bold. Matt Bold. Matt Bold. I, I, I don't remember Matt, Matt Bold being there, I don't remember being there. I don't it know. might have been Pincus, man, he was, because he filled in for... Uh, a show in DC. I think he played with them. It could have been. Yeah, there's the uh, the live at the Safari Club seven inch, and it says Gorilla Biscuits with Matt from Judge on bass. That's kind right. of cover. So yeah, that's. So and then Gus, you know Gus, uh, Gus Straight Edge. So I guess the thing is, is like, and I'm assuming was was this at this point was what early '89? Where was Capo? Was he just not? Was he in India? Was this when he was in India? Yeah. Or was he, I think he was actually in India. Yeah, Purcell. Right. Purcell, Peter he's Jack. right. Peter Jack, hold on. What the hell happened to Gus Straight Edge? You guys are from California. You ever see that guy around? No. Toby, you ever see Gus? No. Sammy, you ever see, run into Gus? I really don't, man. I feel like uh, it's been a minute. I think... I don't know. It's been like ten years, probably. I do not run. Are you guys ready for some? You guys ready for some serious Gus Straight Edge trivia? Sure, please. Who's into Parks and Recreation? Anybody into that show? Who's I need to watch it. Best show. 
I don't, I don't understand if you guys don't like it because it's the best show. Um, anyway, Gus, like whenever they have like a background scene where they have extras, I swear to God, Gus is in it like every single time. Gus is probably in like, I don't know how many episodes of Park and Recreation in the background just walking around as an extra. And it's 100% Gus Straight Edge. Yeah, so he's an actor. I think I heard he's an actor. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, does he have an IMDb uh, house? Yeah, I am. I, so I have the IMDb app because I'm a fucking nerd. And Gustavo Pena uh, is known for his work on Dunkirk, McFarlane, and Parks and Recreation. There you go. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. There you go. Good eye for Stella. Good eye. Yeah. <laughs> I what was that movie, Chris, what's that movie, probably... that Alan Alden movie that you're in? Where you're, it's like, uh, uh, Sweet Liberty. Purcell's in Sweet Liberty, folks. Check okay. it out. Check it out on IMDb. All, all MASH fans are stoked. <laughs> am, I, am I crazy? Wasn't Freddy in um, 12 Monkeys? I could have sworn there's a movie that Freddy's an extra on. It's just out of nowhere. I got a... Freddy, Freddy Madball? Yeah. Huh. I'm gonna I gotta text try to him. Track me, it down. I'm, I'm, no, I'm gonna text him and ask him right now. Okay, Please. I think it was I think it was Twelve Monkeys or was some. Uh, hang on, hang on. It was an action movie for sure. I'm gonna use this opportunity just to bid a bow, Freddie Madball, because when else am I gonna have that opportunity? Because yeah. uh, I love Madball, so there we go. So I was saying <laughs> with the, with the backups, like, was it the kind of thing where? just like hey gorilla biscuit like was it planned because i know like the times i've done backups you kind of knew in advance like yo we're going in the studio this day do you want to come do backups was it or was it a thing where you're like ah, gorilla biscuits are recording their album let's go to furies and sing backups like was it this big plan thing or was it just kind of happened yeah it was planned it was planned we're doing backups come on down to the studio i you know the only thing i remember from the backups was um those dudes from sick of it all just sound so freaking mighty yeah <laughs> we shouldn't even think we should just let these guys sing that's true my voice didn't even change yet like they were they were men <laughs> they were just like roaring and we were just like whoa yeah we're just kind of like outclassed by sick of it all like everybody <laughs> pretty much Lou and pete was like on every single backup because it's really like a, a who's who list of like the New York scene at that time. You know, like I said, there's Sick of It All, Youth of Today, Judge, like all doing backups on this. So when you were, do you have any, I know it's a long time, do you have any memories like besides that of just being there? And like, was there, was there this air of excitement? Like, could you tell even when doing the backups, like, oh, this is going to be like a hell of a record, um, you know, that we're taking a part of? Um, Part by, in. By that time, I had heard that record inside and out for like a mm. long. They worked on that record for a long time. Remember, I mean, they worked on that record. Must it seemed like months. Yeah. Didn't they, did they go to uh, Chungking initially, and then they scrapped it and went to Don's? Yeah. They yes. Initially went to Chungking. Did any, did you did you guys ever hear any of that Chungking stuff? Because Walter would never play it for me. I've been looking. And I posted on, on No Echo on their Facebook group, see if anybody had MP3s and came up empty. I think yeah. Jason might have a cassette uh, or have had yeah, a set of it. Uh, from Virginia Beach, there was someone I used to do tape trading with, and I definitely heard it. I think, I mean, it was just a practice tape, a studio practice tape. 
But uh, after the interview, I think that was the Chung King session because you can hear him in between songs saying, you know, oh, let's play the song with the skank part. And uh, so. So wow. what was that demo, the, the other one that you sent us? I, I, have, I, I still am not clear. So right because now the recordings, we have the Chung King recording and then there's the the Civ demo, it's known as, and then there's Walter Sings the Hits, and then yeah. there's the album proper. Those are like mm -hmm. the four versions that potentially exist of, of uh, Start Today out there. But that Civ demo, see, when, when we talked to Walter last week, he said something about the Chung King stuff was like more melodic, and I played that Civ demo, and it really is like there's a lot more like singing on it than yeah, on that, the that final. I think the Civ demo that you're talking about though was years after um, Start Today, right? Like that was no. 1990. No, no, it's, it's, like, it's demo versions or, or a different recording slightly of Start Today, but with Civ singing, but it's not the same vocal patterns. Oh, and... sorry, Civ, right, yes. Yeah, yeah Civ, gotcha. Civ the man, not Civ the band. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. we'll get to you later. You'll have your time for Civ the <laughs> sure, band. Sure. <laughs> I would just say this about the back of vocals. I definitely don't remember any of it, but it's really impressive. And it, it, it was always a big deal back then to be asked in order to show up to do it. It was an exciting day. You were like psyched totally. about it. And um, because even now, like, it's so hard to organize back of vocals. Like, it's like I've made yes. records where it's just like you're doubling one dude and you're like grabbing mm -hmm. like someone who works at the, you know, desk. Like, can you please do back of vocals? Like, to get, you know, people from your friends and people in different bands to come down and do it is uh it's not easy so are you saying it's hard to get a bunch of people together to do something because we have no idea what that's, <laughs> <Yeah>. what that's <laughs> like <laughs> to reach out to but yeah and and it's crazy too because like you know everybody's known and then no offense to you, Toby, but at that point, you're just, what, Toby living? Weren't you living in a closet or something like that, I remember you yeah, saying? Yeah, I was just a roadie. Yeah, I was a roadie for sick of it all and GB or, yeah, do weekend mm -hmm. runs with them or killing time. Yeah, I was just living in Alan Cage's closet. Damn. I was the closet I was the closet master, yeah. <laughs> and, Toby, did you sing backups on any other albums around mm -hmm. that time? Um, yeah, I, I want to say I sang backup on the killing time. I'm not sure. I remember hearing those demos from Anthony. And then I'm not sure what I sang. I'm not sure what they recorded. I don't think they recorded that record in New York though. I think it was like, what? Normandy sound? I'm not sure what they recorded nah, Killing Time. No, it, it was GB, but <clears throat> singing on the GB record changed my life. That solidified me becoming a vegetarian in 1988 and living that way the rest of my life. <clears throat> Just singing Thou Shall Not Kill and living at the GB house and being inspired by Siv and Walter and Alan Cage. and um, being part of the record didn't seem like a special thing. Like these guys said, <clears throat> me and Mark, me and Marco Siega uh, from Bad Trip, it was a rehearsal studio in Queens and that's where GB and Youth of Today would rehearse. And that's how I know Capo was definitely not on the record because I remember he, he came back from his first trip to India and I remember Youth of Today was working on We're Not In This Alone and they were practicing at that studio and Capo was doing like crazy handstands and all this wild yogi shit. And we're like, oh damn. And then I remember he went back or something like that. So that's probably why he wasn't on Start Today. But yeah, just living in the GB house and being part of that record. Back then I was like, these are my friends. But then when you look back on that record and, and the impact it had and those songs and how they still ring true today, it's a very, it was a very special time. And I'm very lucky to have been there at that time. I was only 18 years old, you know? That's nuts. And like you mentioned Cats and Dogs. And when we talked last week, we were talking about the impact of that song in particular from the album 
Um, Arthur had mentioned how, you know, he does a lot of work with uh, animal activism. Um, and he said, like, I think the quote he used was like, when he talks to people who got into being vegetarian, vegan, they all either attribute cats and dogs or propaganda. Mm -hmm. And like, it's great because, you know, it's over 30 years ago, but I think we were talking, you know, there's tons of great songs about not eating meat. Um, yeah. You know, like the Smith's meat is murder. Youth of today, no more burn shall be judged instead feel their pain. Like I could probably go on, but something about cats and dogs, the way that Walter wrote those lyrics to make it, so relatable to people and i think to really get them to question what they were putting into their mouths more than just like something like you know like meat is murder um, totally so it's kind of more cool. compassionate yeah not preachy not that and shoving it down your throat just actually reality and just yeah i mean it's totally true and another thing too is that we listen to a lot of hip-hop too and krs-one uh boogie down yeah. production said my philosophy mm -hmm. and that dropped the same time start today dropped so here we are, hardcore punk rock skater kids like hip hop, and then KRS One's talking about being a vegetarian as well. So that was just mm -hmm. solidified. Also, Soulside had uh, vegan songs yes. too as well. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah, bit of both Soulside. I love Soulside. Love Soulside. Um, and uh, they still play sometimes, and it's it was it was awesome. I got to I had the chance to play with them a couple years ago, and they were super cool guys. Um, awesome. So we're we're the sick of it all, guys, into vegetarianism and stuff back then. No, they, they are now, but they weren't then. Okay, yeah, I remember they said in the book that, like, they, they are now, but I was just yeah. curious if it was, like, as, as kind of widespread back then. So it was, yeah, so it was kind of, like, a new concept, sort of, like, for people, especially in 1988, 89. Well, the numbers, sure. the numbers started to double in 88. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the backups happen. And then I guess one of the things that always struck me as wild was that the record comes out, I think what on the, uh, uh, it was came out on like the last day of the U S tour or the second, to last day on the U S tour. Um, so like, did you guys as being like friends with the band and in some cases that we'll get to like playing in the band, like was, was the impact immediate? Like did the record come out and it was immediately like well-received and huge? Definitely. I mean, that was like one of the most, um, you know, hyped records, you know, coming out. Everybody was super excited for it. I mean, yeah. I, one of the reasons why it was so hyped, because it, it took so, it's, you know, usually back then, we would record a record in like a day. We would record mm -hmm. a record, like, you know, in, in like a few hours. I mean, Capo did the, all the lyrics weren't on this alone, practically first take in like three hours. He just kind of like blew through them. I mean, you can tell, like, as he goes through the record, some, you know, his voice is more gnarly on other songs because we literally just had an afternoon to do it. But it just seemed like GB were working on that thing for, like, months, which was pretty much unheard of. I mean, first they went to Chongqing. There was a whole mystery about it. They were recording there for, like, two weeks. Everybody's like, Walter, let's hear the stuff because we used to always, like, we're all friend, like good friends. We used to share all the stuff. And Walter was like, no, I don't want to play it for anybody. I don't want to play it for anybody. To this day, I've never heard it. And then <laughs> the whole thing, it's not working out. We're going to go to Furies. Siv sang on the record. Walter didn't like it. Walter went in there, he sang. And then like Siv came in and then like he tried to sing more like Walter. So it just seemed like, you know, it was like an endless 
struggle with those guys. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, even on the back cover, it says recorded at Demo 2 Studios, Demo Demo Studios, January, February, and April of 89. Yeah. So that's, I, I'm not saying they worked on it for three months straight, but they were in at least Don Fury's studio three times, which is a lot. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I mean, Walter's consistent like that, though. I mean, he, you know, there's a story like that with Quicksand and with a lot of things he's worked on. So I think it's just the process. But obviously, you know, they ultimately it comes out, which is cool. But it's, a, you know, he's got a process. It came out with a bang for sure. Yeah. It was a great record. I mean, even by, you know, by the time we had done those backup vocals, I had heard the whole record like a million times. I mean, I think yeah. it's nice that you got Purcell and Toby and I because we really tied the record together with our backup vocals. I think the record really <laughs> came together, you know. Yeah, you added the, like, the little salt bay, salt. Yeah, and, yeah. I think those like, guys would agree that cool record, really came but, together yeah. with Purcell and Toby and I. <laughs> but so, it's just so cool, like, that, you know, that it, it kind of keeps with the theme of the record having all their friends sing backups, you know, and it's, it's, it's funny because they're they're – memorable backups like it's i mean you know like toby mentioned singing thou shalt not kill i mean that you always there's those certain backup lines on the record that like they stick with you immediately hardcore, yeah we brought the hardcore five, say, all that shit yeah yeah Love that, awesome. yeah and when we interviewed the rest of the guys in the actual band last week they were saying that gorilla biscuits shows now it's like a party it's a chance to get together with your friends <laughs> and hang out and it Oh, kind yeah. of seemed like that's always been the case. You know, you guys all grew up together uh, in some aspect, grew up, maybe not childhood friends or whatever, but you're all still there. In 89, in 2020, you're all still there. And I could see the three of you at a Gorilla Biscuits show, you know, at the Garden Amp or in Orange County or whatever. It's like you're still hanging out with the band. And I think that that is awesome. Yeah. It's like this record also, it's so family friendly, you know, like my kids have all seen Gorilla Biscuits. Toby, I'm sure that Max has, yeah. how many times has he seen Gorilla Biscuits? Porcel, like everyone totally. can, can bring their kids to these shows. It's not dangerous. It's not scary. You know, they're stage diving and moshing and whatever, but it's not like, it doesn't have that same, air of danger that maybe like a crow mags show would have yeah. or a killing even time back show then they even back then they had the ability where you know we there was a time yes we were all united and friends and, and hanging but there were like little sub genres and, and groups who were hanging and you know these folks were there and these folks were there but gb were were connected to it all you know i think all, that, all of it all of it yeah you know the it, cool thing about gb too was like you know youth of today's mo was to be like the hardest hardcore out there you know what i mean but <laughs> had that little bit of like melody in it yeah and so they, had a pop, they had pop they had pop vibe to them they, yeah they brought they brought in like a whole like back then no girls would come to shows but you go to grill biscuit show and there'd be a bunch of girls there you know it's sort of like the music was just kind of like <clears throat> poppy enough to totally. bring in a, a whole different like um bunch of bunch of people that normally maybe wouldn't even go to a hardcore show yeah and they're funny before yeah. cancel culture was a you know what it is now and i used to be very um abrasive more so than i am now and i used to joke and say that gorilla biscuits only girls and children listen to gorilla biscuits which is it's it's a joke obviously but we can't say that stuff now but <laughs> like like you just said 
girls are coming to the show. It's accessible. There is melody. It's, you know, it's, um, and, and you can understand the lyrics. So it's easy to sing along. Yeah. I remember uh, the, the Jersey, the guys here in, in Jersey, like I won't, I won't give their names, but they would always say uh, that it was age of quarrel for girls, which also you couldn't really say now. Um, but are, I always we just cancel ourselves or what? I think so. Thanks I think for this... coming to the Where It Went podcast. <laughs> we'll see you all later. But, but there's, there's, I, I get, I had that melody and, and, you know, I asked Walter about outside influences. Toby, I know you'll appreciate this. I asked him about competition. I was like, so that guitar break, were you trying to be you too? And then he was like, he like paused. He's like, yeah, absolutely. He was yeah, like, he loves and, that. and Arthur was like, yeah, like he told me like, you know, think two hearts beat as one. Um, but there's all that stuff on there. We all loved you too back then. Totally, man. <laughs> totally, man. We all did. The thing about Walter, Walter would come home with these records that I never heard before, like the Smiths, like the Sugar Cubes. Um, and he had a record player in the house and he'd always be playing this music that wasn't hardcore. And he really opened my mind to like listening to other things besides hip hop and punk rock, like Bjork, all that stuff. Walter would always be record shopping and bringing shit home and playing it like, I put I put Walt at the highest level of of a genius songwriter like that comes from our world. I, I put him in the I have such a high respect for everything he writes and does. And um and it's because I think he listens his mind's so open, he listens to such diverse types of music, man. And he, and he puits it all in it. it just it just works. It was nothing like G B. It was everything was so hard, like Purcell was saying, harder and street and like yelling and aggressive. And G B had those breakdowns where you wanted to go crazy, like uh, hold your ground. Just, just everything had these great mosh parts. At the same time, you're singing along. Everybody's smiling and they're stage diving and picking each other up. Like there was nothing like that at that time. It was a breath of fresh air for sure, man. For they sure. borrowed, I think, from so I, many different I, types of hardcore. I will. Yeah. I will say, Toby, Walter actually has turned me onto a lot of cool music over the years too. Yeah, man. I'm always into like you know back when we were just you know listening to, you know. Chromags and Agnostic Front. <laughs> yeah. Check out this Lush record. <laughs> Check out this Echo Belly record. You know, he was like, he was pretty, um, you know, in tune with all the kind of like alternative rock that was going on, you know, even back totally. then. Right? Totally. Totally. So Primitives. All of that crash. just gets mixed into the soup of what GB is, which was, makes it so great. Yeah, because Start Today is like a, it's like a pop song. I mean, just you think about Star Today, it's got the same kind, same kind of wait one minute more vibe. It's got this mm -hmm. upbeat, melodic, like, dancey song, man. It's just... And I think the sense of, the sense of humor, like when I, I played in GB for a little bit in, the, in 85, right? In the beginning, we had a song, the Mr. T song. So it was, uh, you know, T don't die, just go to hell of a group, sucker. And there was T don't die. <laughs> to regroup and it was you know we rehearsed it we practiced it a lot of my dad's place and, and gus would mosh around and like it was the mr t song so that element of and even like better than you had like a blues kind of thing to it so there was this whole kind mm. of humor i think at the core you know and even before like before me with gm2 and just like just the whole sense of humor aspect and then you throw in great songs on top of that like that combination uh, you know the mascot the 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 animation of the grill and all that like it's a really cool um you know and some other bands i think sick of it all did that too in a cool way where they had that sense of humor they had the cartoon stuff like there was a mm -hmm. funny 
element of sick of it all, um, which is just a great thing to have. Like you were saying for some, I mean, youth today was, there wasn't much humor in youth today. There wasn't much humor in judge. It was, we were pissed. And like, right. And it makes it relatable to like, so I'm a kid hearing this stuff as a young teenager living in the suburbs. Like I love the Crow Mags. I love Agnostic Front. But at the same time, I'd see the Gorilla Biscuits, like the promo pics where they're like goofing around and dancing. And then same thing with Sick of It All. Like it had this tough sound, but I could relate to the guys in Sick of It All more than I can relate to, you know, some of the other stuff from, you know, New York and from that yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I grew up in Orange County, California, you know, early 90s. Nobody handed me a uh, Age of Quarrel. It was like, here's Start Today. Here's Minor Threat. Here's Bringing It Down. Like, bringing it down. I say all the time, Bringing It Down was my Age of Quarrel because that was like the hardest fucking thing that I had heard at the time. We're like surfers and snowboarders and skaters. Like, nobody's moshing to Raw Deal in 1993 in Orange County, you know? So, hmm. the. Uh, start today was more like accessible for that culture the skate and you know action sports culture I guess you could say you know it's funny you say that a, a couple of years ago we did a festival in Canada when, when Judge first came back and I was with Car Earth Christ and we were watching Judge and he's like you know what man he's like um, he's like bringing it down that's our straight edge age of coral that's exactly what you just said man it's crazy mm-hmm. it is it's, re- it's really true man yeah, it is. Thank, th- yeah. That's thank you, Purcell and Sammy, for that. Thank you for that. Yeah, I can't wait to get to that record, dude. Those judge records. I always say, I always say, my like with Rev, I'm I'm maybe going off topic a bit, but like as far as non reissues, so I don't count like we're not in this alone, and uh, you know like the Civ LP and stuff like that that was either vinyl, but like straight up like Rev proper for me, the Trinity is Start Today, Texas is the Reason, Judge. Like, I can't wait to talk about that Judge album because it's like, and that's another one where I think same with, with Start Today, like it never had to be, once it finally came out, it never had to be tinkered with. Mm. Like some of the other things from back then, like, you know, we know the Youth of Today stuff, the Chain of Strength stuff, like there's different mixes and this, but like the Judge LP, the Gorilla Biscuits, like maybe they got a remaster. Yeah, I think that... um Start today got remastered in 2006. It looks yeah, like a a, digi, a digipack CD of it came out, but otherwise it was like the only weird versions. There's like the 99 track version, and then there's like the cardboard sleeve of the seven inch. But they didn't have to get, you know, no one had to go into a studio with the master reels and put this level up and whatever. Those two records, especially Start Today and Bringing It Down, are masterful. Did you guys ever? <laughs> Um, do you guys ever hear the 99 track version? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I first got, yeah. that was like my first piece of grill. Actually the first record I ever bought with my own money was start today. I have still have like a, I think it's first press cause it has the embossed cover. My dad drove me to the record store and I used my own money. Also the first compact disc I ever bought with my own money was bringing it down. But the first vinyl I ever bought was start today. And then I bought the 99 track um, Gorilla Biscuit CD as well, which is so f- weird to think that that like, you know, 99 tracks. What the heck? But were there a lot of them blank? Like when they do that? Yeah. I understand it because it's all pretty much like 99 track one was when they had all those like Doug Karen quotes, right? Remember that ah. at the end of the CD? Yeah, it's like it's kind of just a lot of 
I think that's why they didn't redo it. It's talking, yeah. The guy that used to book these today in Gorilla Biscuits, who was this real character you see named Doug Karen. So we used that's to the homie. Him, but I was just, it's so weird for a person who like didn't even know who he was to listen to it and like yeah what Doug Karen? Doug Doug Karen from Stag Nasty? No, no Doug no, Karen no. from um Pipe Piper Presents. He was a Rhode Island dude that used to book um Oh yeah, yeah, okay. But he was okay. a character and like yeah, the fact that I guess they hid like a tape and they recorded him and that's all that extra um at the end of that C D of like Got you. You know. He passed so, away, right? He did. I think he died in a war, like Iraq or something. Like he was a paratrooper oh. somehow or something. Wow. I didn't hear that. I heard he died of an overdose. Okay. Oh. I like my story, like war hero. I like, yeah, I was going to say, let's, let, you know what? We, we, like to, we like to make facts here. So we're going to yeah. say he died in a war and, uh, you know, thank you for your service. I, 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 <laughs> Not knowing him, I heard that 99 track CD, but it really gives you still a good, uh, reference for GB's humor, though, you know yeah. that still comes through. Just not knowing the promoter, and not you know, not knowing the specifics of the story behind it, but still funny and fucking cool when you buy the CD and you get blessed with like extra songs, and then that on top of it was awesome. So, what were the other extra songs? The Buzzcock cover and the Biscuit Power. Yeah, it's a lot of the stuff that I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that it's all available now. You know, but at the time, it's like you either had the 12 inch or the seven inch. And so to get all the extra songs, like, isn't there a couple versions of GM2? I thought that was so. the extras on the first set. It, you're going to have to look on Discogs for me. There's a bunch of silence before it starts. So it's cool. Yeah. It's like you get a little bonus with the. You guys really so know like your this, shit. You guys know your shit, man. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, the song, awesome. um, I don't know if there's a more of a PC name for the song Slut. Did they ever yeah. change the name? But that song was like that the was first glimpse. There, yeah. That was like the first glimpse of, um, and that's an early song. Like that was like the first glimpse of, of like the melodic ability. I think. Yeah. You know, that was like a beautiful tune. It was like a, like a yeah. Because it took GM two and made it like a full. It was like a full version of that with vocals. That's yeah. on. That's an extra track on the C the seven inch of the CD because that was the first time I'd heard it because the first Gorilla Biscuits I had was the cd that had the gorilla on it with like the seven inch and then it had like the two different versions of like hold your ground and i forget yeah. what else that ended up having not arthur on it or arthur plate remember we we talked about that on the on the seven inch episode um so i guess next would be at what point well first off toby did you i know you roadied for sick of it all did you roadie for gorilla biscuits at all yeah we did road trips i that Safari Club show you guys mentioned earlier, Pinkus. Uh -huh. I was at that show because right. I moved. I moved to New York from D.C. Maryland area. So yeah, I would do road trips to Gorilla Biscuits, like tri-state area stuff. Yeah, I did a bunch of shows with them. So, sure. where at what point? So Star Today comes out summer '89, and then I think is Arthur the first one to leave. I think he told us he he left like shortly after the album. Like, what point do Porcel and Sammy, like, do you guys join at the same time, or was one of you in first? It was way later. Arthur left, and then they had Helmet. Yeah, Mark Helmet. California. And he was in the Hard stance. Mark Hayworth, yeah. 
Mark Hayworth, yeah. Yeah, he did that 89 tour with them. Mm. Yeah, he went to Europe in 89. Lefty. Left-handed, yeah. Because mm. he was eating birdseed. He was vegan. There was no uh, there was no vegetarian spots. He had a bag of birdseed. He story. still does. He still does. I ran into him. He managed his Backstreet Boys. I saw him at a Backstreet Boys show. Yeah, man. The other he good story that tour is, is uh, supposedly he, like, they all try... I think, I don't know, there's some, Siv could probably tell him way better, but um, hop in the turnstile in London and he gets caught in those big doors that kind of close on you and he's like running and all these cops grab him and I think he got arrested. And, but he was wow. wearing like a bright purple tracksuit and he's just yelling and his hair was bleach blonde. And he's tall. It's, it's funny you hear, you hear the story about Black Flag eating like dog food rolled up into bread and then here's a guy eating bird seed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the total opposite end of the spectrum. Like <laughs> bird seed. But um, so yeah, because he's he's the left-handed, like Javier said, left-handed bass player. So you'd always see the pictures of him playing like the upside-down bass. So and at that point, I think Luke still drummed. So Sam, did you join before Porcel then? I re don't remember. We were like a package at the time. You got you know we came as a, a package deal. Me and Porcel. <laughs> so, you know we only rolled together. If you wanted you know you wanted one, you had to take the two of us. But yeah, I was gonna say. You know, you talk about how Gorilla Biscuits can play with all different kind of groups, all subgenres of New York hardcore. And in 91 comes out the In Effect New York hardcore video that's Agnostic Front, Sick of It All, and Gorilla Biscuits. And both of you are on that video. And Sammy, you're with Siv being interviewed yeah. about Gorilla Biscuits. And I think this is like, it sucks that I know this, but it's one of you two is wearing a mother's market. Sam, Sammy is. Yeah. Sammy is. Which I, I, you know, grew up in Costa Mesa. So that's like mother's was the first place where we could get like vegan Rella sure. and like Trofudi shit and all that. So yeah, that, were, that in effect video is Javier Citizen Kane. Like, yeah, you know. I talk about that shit so much. <laughs> dude, it's crazy. <laughs> that's the Citizen Kane of hardcore. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a really bizarre looking back like that lineup and that time for GB, I guess, and, and also for hardcore. I mean, it was a transitional time. There was a lot of stuff going on, but it's also kind of interesting. It's cool. I mean, I don't know the, the timeline of how Purcell and I got into it. Then Tom TC3 got into it. Mm -hmm. I know we all did that tour together in 91. And then that the in effect show was before 91 tour or after so maybe before. And then there was like the last show, which was the marquee. Which yeah, is that, was, that, that was crazy ass show, man. Right. Which Arthur came back show, for, he told us. He yeah, said I didn't that. Play that show. Did you play that show, Sammy? I did play it, yeah. How I big was, is the marquee? Like, how many people were there for their last show? It probably wasn't that big, but it felt huge. I mean, it, like, at the time, it felt like massive, but I don't know, 700 people maybe. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty small. That was crazy show, man. Yeah. That about. was crazy show. Yeah. Damn. People get it's, sick. It, <laughs> Sammy, Sammy, that's where homeboy. That's where homie got stabbed, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Arthur mentioned. Yeah. That. I, I, I was right there, I man. Gus was right there too. That shit was. I mean, after it happened, it was yeah, it was wild, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was right there too. I was right there. Something right. you want to go into or no? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what, what, what else is there to talk about? Well, no, no. I, it was right. Uh, he gets stabbed in the lower abdomen. And, no, uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying I, that's not I mean, what I pictured. The last you know, real biscuit show. I was surprised to hear that. I've never heard that story. You know that was a really weird show too. I remember, like, I, like I walked home after that show, and was like, I'm, I'm over hardcore. 
I was so bummed. I was so bummed, dude. I was gonna say, did it seem like the end of an era? No, it did. No, but, no, because there, there was another one at the Killing Time show at CB's when the first gun was pulled out, and I remember hiding behind Anthony. That was another end of an era of CB's when that got mm. really wild, man. Yeah, that was a that was a gnarly show too, man. There was a bunch of incidences around that time, and I and I think it it you know it's part of the reason why things uh, you know whatever like some people might have moved on or checked out for a little bit, and you know for. I guess for myself, like I joined a reggae band. I was in this band, 32 Tribes. And then um, kind of Yo. went to college for a minute. I went to the new school and I was just sort of like kind of entering this other phase. And then eventually we started doing Civ. But I mean, you could see it coming back to that 91 GB tour in Europe where, you know, Walter had like, what did he have? Like a flower on his base and like his hair was kind of longer. And, um, you know, there were just everyone, we were all bugging out. Like we were in a different, we were just, it was an experimental kind of time. I think even musically, like we were jamming and doing reggae breakdowns and the, we started playing that song Distance and just, I think he was, um, you could ask him, but it was probably like the beginnings of Moondog and, and ultimately Quicksand. Um, so it was, you know, it, that was, I feel like that's our, when Purcell and I were in GB, that's kind of where it was going. It was sort of uh, changing, yeah. changing quickly. In that video, you know, I, I, cause I got it, I got that video probably like 93, 94. So it was a couple years after. And I was like, why do they all have long hair? Why does, why do the guys from Gorilla Biscuits have hair like tucked behind their ears and Siv is wearing fucking silver creepers? Like sure. what is this? It was so weird to me to see like the, <laughs> the youth crew then into like kind of the proto what turned into quicksand. You could start to see the like, you know, the line being drawn from Gorilla Biscuits to Quicksand by that video. I bet if you look around, though, like around that time, like what, you know, what Dag Nasty was doing or what Uniform Choice was doing at that time, like, I don't know if it was just us. I feel like there might have just been this change. Seven seconds. Seven seconds yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, man. Well, you figure, too, like that yeah. was the time of. It was like our age, too. You know, we weren't kids anymore. We were like 23, yeah. 24. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a time in your life where you really start to, like, rethink your life. You start to kind of, like, put your teenage years to bed and think about what you're going to do in the future. You know, and that's, like, that's a time of, like, of searching for everybody, I think. So we're all kind of in that phase where we're, like, okay, we're not going to be playing, like, you know, youth and lay type stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. What's, what are we going to do? How are we going to move into like a, a new thing? It was like a real transitional time. Yeah. I mean, coupled with the fact that like some records was gone, CBs was gone, you know, the, just yeah, a lot of the, real dark in New York. It was not safe. It was just like, yeah, it was, a, it was just, there was a shift. I think that so was my question I was, will, I will, I will go to the, I will go to the grave saying that those, those GB songs at that second GB record ever came out of what those songs were really good. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them, be, you know, became Civ songs or Moondog and Civ songs, I guess. Yeah, so, so that, we did uh, want to talk about that. Greg actually brought it up that he wanted to know how much really became Moondog and then Civ and maybe Quicksand. And I ask because I feel like when, when the Civ record, and I get it, when the Civ record first came out, they'd be, I feel like there'd be interviews or any of these second GB album songs, and it'll be like, no. But I know, I get it, because at the time, you don't necessarily, you kind of wanted to move on and do a new thing, and 
you don't really want to necessarily. There wasn't a ton of them. I mean, there was that song when we were in Gorilla Biscuits, we played a little bit. We called it the Cowboy Song, and it became Sausages on a Civ B-side. I think it's the B-side on Social Climber. And that, is, was yeah. a G, that was a GB song that was like from that era, as well was Distance, which became, you know, Moondog used to play that. Um, I can't really remember too many other like GB ones that we were playing on tour. And the bonus track on the, well, it's on the vinyl on the like hidden track on the CD was another Moondog song. Um, I forget the actual name of it, but. Uh, and, 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 oh yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. That's a good song. Get away from me. Right? Yeah. So would, would that have been, I guess, on the GB? I'm, I'm assuming most of that Moondog stuff was probably like what would have been on the album. And then the second GV album, did I hear correctly, it was originally supposed to be on In Effect, like it wasn't going to be on Revelation? going to be on In Effect. Yeah, I think there was like an actual contract. And Go ahead. That's why we were on that video. Yeah, we were, we were signed. Yeah. Mm. Howie Abrams. Yeah, man. Was it supposed to be called the Pizza Album? No. That's what I swear to God, like growing up, being a little kid here. And I know the last, the last show shirts... Um, I remember seeing Matt Enright with one of those shirts and I was like, my mind was fucking blown. Like it's a Gorilla Biscuits shirt, but it's also like a pizza shirt. And so I'm sure people just kind of said, you know, that it was, that's what it was supposed to be from. But I literally grew up until today. I was today years old when I found out that the second album was not called the pizza album. We need a reprint on those shirts. Somebody's yeah. yeah. Dude, yeah, we used to have. You know, it's, I know there's like a box of those shits at the house, man. Or I remember seeing like so many of those shirts. Wow. And they, they became like these, this like thing that people really was loved, that, you know? City, was that show at City Gardens? Was there like a City Gardens show that was the last show? It was the Marquee show where they had the pizza shirts and no one yeah. bought them. Yeah, now they're like $250 yeah. on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> Reprint those, please. Down <laughs> to the universe. Make a full Gorilla Biscuits pizza suit, a hat like yeah, a pizza delivery guy hat, Need sweatpants. Sweat. <laughs> you guys, did you ask those guys about courage to care? No. You didn't. No. Oh come on, guys! Got to do your homework here, man. This is the <laughs> Always trying to call us out about uh, doing our homework. Now we're gonna get another. Hold on, his airplane flying by. Toby's, uh, Toby's telling us we know our shit, and you're telling us that we don't know our <laughs> now shit. Now we're gonna get an angry. We're gonna get another angry email that we didn't do our homework. <laughs> the story that I heard was that when Ray, you know, was he was heavily involved with Revelation Records, and um, when Grill Biscuits got signed, I guess maybe it's more of a seven-inch question, but that he thought they should change the b name of the band. That Grill Biscuits wasn't a good name for the band, and that you should call it Courage to Care. Wow. Oh, I do remember hearing that and in my eyes ended up using that for a song title. I think it's in a worldly free song too. Is it? It's it cool. Is. It's cool like lyrics or song title, but I'm so glad they didn't change the name of the band. Sure. Yeah, totally. Totally. And Gorilla Biscuits is it's kind of going back to like the, you know, fun, funny family, you know, comedy stuff. Like even the name of where the, the we didn't talk to the band about that, but coming from the Prelude. Yeah, coming from Quaaludes and, and just like how funny and mem but it's it's memorable, like Gorilla Biscuits. You're never you're never gonna fucking forget that name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And you also don't think that it's going to be like, I think when you're a kid and you're thinking of a band name, you're not really thinking like, yo, in 30 years, like, is someone going to be wearing a t-shirt with this on it? Like, you know, I've seen totally. the interviews with Dave Grohl where he's like, they're like, what would you do different? He's like, probably wouldn't have named the band Foo Fighters. I would have like thought a little more about a name, but it, you know, it sticks yeah. and you'll remember it, you know, and they even put in the GB seven inch, like, thanks to all who supported despite our silly or crazy name or whatever. Well, my, my new band in 2021 is going to be called Courage to Care, and we're going to be signed to Revelation. You heard it here first. <laughs> that, was my, that was my AOL screen name was Courage to Care. <laughs> With the number two? No, no, not print style. You know, especially when you think about it, you know, that was the era where it's like the Cro-Mags, mm-hmm. Raw Deal, and Sheer Terror. <laughs> you had all those kind of names. And then out of the blue, you have a band that's called Gorilla Biscuits. So good, man. It's just, mm-hmm. so out of, it's just so out of that field. I love it. And all the and imagery is cool. Yeah, like the fun color. Like, I loved, like, even as a kid, like, the merch, like, the purples and, like, the little caveman guy and the gorilla. Like, it's fun. That was, like, the first, like, hardcore streetwear kind of shit back then because nobody was doing colorful stuff like that, man, you know, or having something that wasn't so, like, hard or, like, yeah. skins on it or something. It was just, like, yeah, like a gorilla, the little goofy guy, you know what I mean? Like. It was awesome, man. The mustache man. That's the GB yeah. shirt, uh, the demo shirt with the with the gorilla. Yeah, you know, gorilla. Bis- yeah, yeah. Gorilla biscuits. So awesome. Merch has always been cool and interesting, and even in the last few years, with I believe that it's Civ doing a lot of the designs now. Like you got the oh, BMX yeah. looking shirt and some of the other the glitter. I love the glitter. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Like the minty one with the skateboard and stuff. And at one point there was a collaboration with Vans to yeah. make the, the shoes where it's like chalky mint and brown on it. And, you know, it's always been a little bit different. And like you said, it's, it's not hard. It's yeah. it, and any kind of hardcore kid can access it, wear it, love totally. it, rep it. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, now that it's 30 years on since these, this record came out, um, what do you, what do you, fe- how do you feel about Start Today Today? Like, if you were to go to your car and just put the CD in, uh, you know, we'll get to hot tracks in a second. So start thinking about your hot track for the album. But like, just what do you think and how do you feel when you put that record on these days? Or do you? at all like when's the last time you listened to that record no, i don't really I, listen that much hardcore but whenever i listen to gb i'm just amazed at how well it stands up you know a lot same, of that i like that, you'll put them on now and you'll be like you know it just doesn't like it was good for when you were like 16 years old but now it's just you know to take a different look at it but you know i think that gb record really stands up well you know test of time for sure yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. And just the songs and the, just everything about it, it just brings you back to a time and a memory. For me, especially like just being a kid moving to New York and living in Queens with these guys and then being a part of it. Yeah, it's, it's great memories. And those songs, I still believe those lyrics now. And, and you know, I, I don't know, I love it. It's, it's timeless, timeless classic, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Just great songs, you know? Great songs will, uh, will always stand the test of time. What about you, Sammy? Yeah, I agree. And I think it's also... It's quick, you know. Um, yeah. Hardcore is quick. The songs are quick. The album's quick. So it's just a fun listen. And, and the, 
you know, I know like just the attention to like the sequence and starting with the horns and, you know, like a, a, a song like what Forgotten is like kind of, you know, deep, but then there's like a, a is Biscuit Power on that record? Nah, it's like a bonus no, no. on the CD, but. But just like, you know, just some of the, uh, yeah, just the sequencing. Like, I think it's just a nice journey, the, the whole record. And, um, you know, I think I'm sure they've recorded to tape. That always like bodes well over time. I feel like some of these records got caught in like this digital era, like this ADAT era, which didn't really age as well. Um, I feel like these records that are were done on tape age age well, and you know that GB Records one of them. Yeah, you f you put it the vinyl on, you flipped a side two, and it's start today on there, and it's like such yeah. a great way to start out because side A starts with the horns, and side B starts with the intro to to the song start today. And even that fake beginning to start today, like that yeah. stuff was like advanced production for Don mm -hmm. Fury and us back then. It was like to do that was just like okay. We're gonna try something really crazy. And yeah, we're gonna big. turn one of the reels upside down and I mean, backwards. Don had this one blue like effects rack thing. It was like thin and it was blue and it just echoed. But uh, yeah, to do anything like that was really advanced. So that was, um, that effect, that, that fake beginning is really cool. So fake Sam, beginning. <laughs> when you, when you, you know, end up doing Civ, like Civ forms what, like 94? So that's like what five years after the album. Like when you guys were first playing, how much were you asked about Gorilla Biscuits? Like it had to be a ton. It was a lot, and I think we did that first tour with Toby with H two O. And you guys played you know, a GB song, mm -hmm. and because our record wasn't out yet, so we really yeah. like, it. We, I think we might have played like a few GB songs. Maybe we like, did. I saw Siv on the first Warp tour in Irvine. And it was like on the trailer, like the trailer opened up. And I think yeah, yeah. that stage was Deftones and Sick of It All. And you played, you played Sitting Around at Home. And then on the Civ song, uh, Lou came out and did his part. And people lost yeah. their fucking minds <laughs> to both of those things. And that was so cool to see. I think I was, uh, so it was 96. I was like 19 when it came out and or when that, that show that was so fun, man. And, and both of those instances of that Civ set are like indelibly burnt into my mind. Yeah, the because um, the main stage, there was only two stages. There was the main stage and there was the trailer and the main stage had a big barricade. Mm -hmm. So the shows were cool. It was big, but you couldn't have that same sort of like hardcore thing going on. So the trailer was where it's at. We used to have, we got the trailer ripping many times. And I always say like, <laughs> kids, I always say kids today, they don't know because like now all these bands like, well, as we always say now, nobody's watching bands, but hopefully soon. Um, but, you know, now you can see Youth of Today, you can see uh, Gorilla Biscuits. But back then, to have, like, the members do one of those songs, like, I remember, I think we talked about on the Breakdown the Walls, like, Better Than a Thousand playing Take a Stand. Like, that was, like, a huge deal to see mm -hmm. even just one song from the old, you know, from the old bands. Yeah, and like, I saw yeah, the Shelter play Disengage, you know, the same kind of thing. Yeah, it would have been like, you know, because we didn't think that we were going to have a chance. Like, Gorilla Biscuits ended, like we said, 1992. And I didn't hear him until 1995 when I was 14. And, you know, a lot of people had a hard time with some of those newer bands and newer sounds and newer tempos. Like, there was, it was a bit of a shock to, you know, to hear Sarah 
if you're used to hearing Youth of Today, sure. or to hear, you know, um, Can't Worry Minute More if you're used to hearing Gorilla Biscuits, something like so. I feel like maybe some of you know some of those bands had to bridge it a little bit, and and um, you know, and for us too, it was fun to play those songs, obviously, and and get the show going off. Um, yeah, kids were stoked in Europe. Kids were stoked in Europe on that '95 tour. Yeah, you guys were playing GV songs. Yeah, that was a fun. That was tour. awesome. That was a wild tour in itself. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> I've got no phone. I've got no phones back then, man. I'm so happy. <laughs> it's crazy. It was a crazy tour. Because the same tour H was with Sick of It All, right? And H2O. Sick of It All. Yeah, one bus. Was it one bus? Who was, oh no, it was H2O. Sure H2O had this bus. It was fuck. It was a really dodgy bus with um, like seven week, seven week tour or something crazy, long, long. man. Yeah, dude. But oh, we covered interesting thing about Civ is when we first got together, we went to record four songs, and I think that might have been Etu Brute and Can't Wait a More. Great song. But there was two other ones, something else, and then there was um, uh, that's what Young Love's all about. That cover song by um, I'm spacing the name now by the band. We recorded this cover song um, that never came out mm. before before making the record. But yeah. Oh, it's not even on the discography CD then. No, I never. Uh, he said never did vocals for it. Oh, uh, okay. I was gonna say. I'll have to look at who that is. What's yeah, it called yeah. again? Uh, Reagan, hold on. No, that's. Hey, you want to get to hot tracks with these guys? Yeah, we already gave ours last time. Yeah, so we talked we're, about our hot tracks. We're off the hook. Porcel, what's your hot track on start today? You want to know something? I liked. I actually liked the more kind of like emo-y songs on that record. Um, I like Forgotten. I like Forgotten's um, great. I like start yeah, today. Yeah, man. You know, all those ones that kind of like broke the mold a little bit. Yeah. Those were the ones that really stood out for me. So I'm going to yeah, go. With I, I didn't really get to talk about um, Time Flies, right? On the last Great song. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Those like those songs the, with the lyrics about growing up and like just picturing like someone getting a summer job. You know, and it's like, ah, I got to get this job to like make some money to buy some records and hang out with my friends. And, you know, I don't really like it, but I got to do this stuff. And though that song especially is like a real coming of age mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. You know, it's like I can just imagine a 19 year old, 18, 19 year old writing that song is like, I'd rather be playing with my friends, but I got to work at this pool as a lifeguard or fucking whatever it is. The, the, lyrics, <laughs> the lyrics are so good, like we talked about, and they're they really are like toby said they're timeless i mean i know yeah. we touched on it in in the interview with the guys but like there's nothing on there because I, I made the joke to walter like even donkey kong like the new nintendo things have donkey kong games on them so there's nothing that dates it to 1989 like everything about it um you know is 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 timeless and there's a lot of like reflection in the lyrics. And I know that this probably wasn't even like Walter's intention, but there's even some like, I think like some real like spiritual consciousness to it. Like the stuff like Cats and Dogs and um, you know, some of the other songs like Stand Still being like really anti-materialism and stuff. Like it's just a super relatable, awesome record with um, the lyrics elevated to the next level. I agree. It's it's a banger front to back. There's not one dud on that record. Yeah, I mean, mine's good. obviously yeah, mine's always, obviously cats and dogs, and that's like the last track on the record, which I feel like 
maybe maybe because it happened to me one of the most impactful songs for people i think that maybe changed their lives or maybe i'm, I'm not i'm speaking for myself but just to have that banger at the very end um yeah cats and dogs is for me that that like changed my whole perspective on eating animals and being compassionate and stuff for sure but there's not i love every song they all have their own special place in my heart and every single song like you said it's a different story it's a yeah, it's it's a perfect it's a perfect masterpiece uh, of a hardcore record, man. It's it's my top five ever in anything. Nazomatic mm -hmm. is my Nazomatic's my top top. I put a new uh, start today up that with it in that, in that you know in that category. You know what I mean? Like in my nice. top five. Like, That's what I always say. Like it's yeah. like one of those records that would be in my top ten of all genres. Like you know with hundred percent with like uh, you know my REM records and. You know, Boosker Do and You yeah. Too Joshua Tree and You Too, uh, yeah. Uh, Gorilla Biscuits start today. And um, I also always liked that, even though they were always known as like a straight edge band, like it's not like it's not really heavy handed with it. And I 100%. think that in a way that made it easier for people to relate, even though I love heavy handed straight edge records. Um, but it was kind of cool that like this was different. Like there's yeah. not. I don't even think they had one straight edge song. No, yeah, like, man. Time no, flies. Yeah, time flies. Mentions there. you know how much does it cost? The booze and drugs you need, and that's totally. Like, but that, that's not necessarily a straight edge thing. That exactly. could be anything. Yeah. Like well, oh, I, my older brother's a drunk, and how it sucks. You know. Yeah. yeah. But I, but I gotta say, I know we're talking about GB, and I'm not just saying this because fucking Priscilla and Sammy's on this shit. But <laughs> we're, we're we're not in this alone, man. That's like. Obviously, break down the walls, can't close my eyes, all that stuff. But like, we went in this alone, and I was so bummed. I was out of town during that video, uh, no more. I was so cracked. I was, I was sick of it all somewhere. Not like I, I could have been in it, but I, I would have tried to have been there. But I'm just saying, like, just those records, Sammy and Brazil, like, we're in this alone. Is I think it's it's one of my favorite masterpieces. Hey, Toby, I think that's, I think that's the best hardcore record ever. Hmm. Honestly, I think that's number one hardcore record by the best hardcore band of all time. Yeah, oh, favorite hardcore My favorite hardcore band of all time, and it's funny because I'm talking about Gorilla Biscuits, but is Youth of Today. I so, didn't even say favorite. I said best. Oh, yeah, you did. I say favorite because best That's is what's bad. What's cool about both to Bridget to GB and Youth Today and that era of Youth of Today is that when on Salone, you know, there was just like songs like Slow Down, you know, mm. and songs like. Uh, so you know, just but not not obvious or like potential friends like yeah, yeah. not like yeah. obvious subjects and also and on and start today like things we say you know sort of right. similar just like picking these topics that weren't as cookie cutter like Agreed. straight you know can't close well, my eyes or you know i think i think ray writes incredible lyrics too like i want to say that like walter's lyrics are great but ray same thing with youth of today had a way of writing these lyrics like you said like slow down like uh what goes around you know no more all that and it's it's a different kind of record than start today and i'm glad rev reissued it because we'll get to do a whole episode on sure. we're not in this alone but like <laughs> it was cool that like walter was telling us like just the difference of like the way the youth of today record was and the way the gorilla biscuits where youth of today was done at chung king and he said basically like you know he told us all about your poor situation sam with the drums where you're like a kid and he said the engineer was like oh um why don't you go in and just every time there's a snare hit just right. hit the snare drum yeah. and you know 
thinking like maybe we should redo this. And then just to hear him say Capo said, you know what? I'm going to sing over this. It's going to be great. Don't worry about it. To have that level of confidence. And I mean, it's, it's a monster of a record. He was right. Like, I don't care about the production. I don't care about them. It sounds like it's. Yeah. Porcel, you and I have talked personally about how you have some issues with the production of we're not in this alone. This is like a teaser. I know we need to, we'll get to this later, but like, I think that those flaws quote unquote flaws are part of its perfection. It's like, it's not a hundred. It's so raw. It sounds like it could fall apart at any second. (laughs) It's like one of your tour vans, you know, it's like like, literally, it sounds like it's just everybody like it's, one wrong move and it would just all like, <laughs> Sammy, we Sammy, we talked about that the other day actually we were talking about yeah. the backup vocal yeah. session about how uh ray bees was there and he would try and not yeah. when we all finished so that he would stand out you know so you'd always like we'd all stop and then he would just continue like you know whatever like <laughs> hey you know uh, it's a the, one more thing a, ba- a bang on that prejudice it's an incredible song, man. Yeah, and just, and just the way he t- the way he talks at the end too, and well, you're gonna be judged too, right. too, too. Oh, so hard, yeah. man. Yeah. The vocals on that are just like, like I can just picture Capo bouncing off the walls, like yeah, literally, you know. And it it's so raw, and that's got the. Uh, it's not like you're stupid. That's yeah. <laughs> He yeah. had the ability to just pull that stuff out of his back pocket, man. He just had gold in his pockets. He would just yank it out and just drop it. It was, it was, he's, he's a trip. Yeah. As, as a fan, I was psyched. I got to see Walter on bass. With Come you on, you guys, save this for the, save oh, yes, this for the yes. next episode. I'm sorry, but I'm saying as a That's fan, cool. that was. Toby, I can talk about Youth of Today in every episode. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask Toby, do you have any Gorilla Biscuits tattoos? Of course, man. What do you got? <laughs> I got my first gorilla in 1988 that Siv drew. I'm not sure if it's even a, a Gorilla Biscuit character that was ever put out. He drew it. It has a Meet His Murder shirt on. It's wearing red and black canvas vans. It's X'd up through its fur. It's on my forearm. It's huge. And it's got the date, November 11th, 1988. Whoa. Yes. Do you have that a picture? Like, because I can't. Do you have a picture of it on? It looks like shit now. I'll send uh, a picture to you guys. Yeah, it looks really blurry and like. Yeah, and then I got I mean, then it's a Siv, 32 Siv, year Siv, old tattoo. Yeah, yeah then Siv, Siv did it, like I was Siv's guinea pig. He used to tattoo me and Isaac and all of us at his apartment on Avenue B. We were like the guinea pigs. So I've like I have a bunch of shit from Siv, but he did a GB on my kneecap. Um, and then me, Travis Barker, and Dan Smith, we all got matching GB tattoos a couple nice. years ago. Yeah, the so, boat of those guys, Travis yeah. Barker. Bit up boat of Dan Smith. Great yeah. dude. I don't know. Dan, I, I just know I love Blink-182, so. I'll, nice, man. I, lo- I'll give I like a- this guy, man. I like this guy. Right? <laughs> We're, this we shit. have a lot of varied tastes. Our, yeah. Listen, our musical, especially some of my takes about music, have gotten some really interesting comments. And then uh, I know that Greg is also into, you know, some different kinds of music and stuff. So, yeah. Man. Jason's like, got an Airbnb, Airbnb Rock Hem shirt on right there. That's right. Yeah. 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 Like we yeah, talked yeah. about, like when we mentioned with the interview with Gorilla Biscuit, like I was mentioning how I love the Fall Out Boy cover of Start Today. Like, oh, and yeah, I know some people, right. like they cover it and they do it awesome. I think some people might not. They don't do the harmonica though. They use the, the guitar. I played, I played drums with Fall Out Boy in London and we did Start Today. No way. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, that's, that's so cool. sick. 
little oh. one timer. Like Shout just out to Fall out a Boy. whole show or just that song? What's that? Was it a whole show or just that song? We did all start today, beginning to end. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just, <laughs> that would be like that would be, that's literally like that would be my like white album. <laughs> your gray album. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sammy, what's your hot track on start today? Degradation, right? Damn, band, good to band, basket, good to band. And that's got to watch to fool yourself because you don't fool me. Yeah, yeah, that's yes. a hard part. I agree. Right. Well, yeah. is you know what's cool is that all six of us here, and even I think the guys in the band, all of us had different hot tracks, right? Mm. So it's cool that everybody can relate to one of those songs or love one of those songs in a different way, whether it's the lyrics or the music or the mosh part or whatever. So many good like skank and two-step parts through that album. Um, you know, we talked to Walter about the harmonica. We talked about the whistling. We talked to Arthur about so the Arthur's bass playing on that record. Unreal. Stands yeah, it's out great. so much. It's it's yeah. it's. I and I, after he um, mentioned that, I went back and was listening. And like like Walter, I think used the term that Arthur sings throughout the whole record on the bass, and he really does. It's wow. Like, it's yeah. like this next level. And it was funny, we gave our hot tracks and Javier got all deep and I was getting like choked up. And then I was just like, well, I like competition because of the U2 guitar part. That was it. And I was really mad that you, <laughs> that you went first. <laughs> I was like, why did he go first? I just love that guitar part. I think Arthur's, Arthur's underrated in the hardcore scene. He should be talked about more, man. He's an incredible bass player, man. I think a lot of his he really is. He he kind of wasn't around for a while, and so his, yeah. his name wasn't thrown around as much. But just from that one album, like puts him on you know maybe like a Mount Rushmore of uh, but you know what it is bass players with yeah go ahead. My my take with Arthur is that um, I think people that listen to all different types of music make the best hardcore. Mm. And he's a guy that I've heard him talk about. I agree. Led Zeppelin. He loves the Beatles. He's talked about like, um, I forget, like stuff during the interview uh, for part one. And that's better than just somebody that's like, yeah, I only listen to hardcore. Because totally, he was also, I mean, you could say he was around, but he was also very much around, um, like musically, like there was a time where he was also playing a lot of guitar. So he was an under- underdog. He was in yep. Warzone. He was Token entry. Yeah. You know, he was in GB. Like, I think he was, he was playing a lot and I guess probably more guitar. Um, so yeah, more guitar, but, um, but yeah, he like, it's his bass playing is insane. I mean, just playing with him with world be free, which is like, you've got these power chord parts and then his ability to just kind of wind through the whole thing makes it so much more melodic. And I, you know, he did that with GB and, um, I think bass, a good bass player in hardcore is just like the secret weapon. I totally agree. I can agree, we, man. Can we do a um, token entry bit of bonus episodes, Javier? Yeah. You know we what? We have to. We, we do. And I actually, we had a fan request who wanted us to do an episode about all of Sammy's bands. I know you just talked That's about your too, reggae man. band and someone asked just like about, a, Yeah, like a real about quick. About like, Engine. And, uh, you know, we could talk rival schools, just like a, a, a Sammy discography. The Biscuit. From Biz- it's called from, it's going to be in my book. From Biscuit. <laughs> Biscuit to Biscuit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one thing I wanted to add with Arthur, uh, bass-wise, is the first Ziv record, his bass tone, uh, is like one of those sought-after 
sounds. Like I, I feel like I've heard so many bands tell the story. And then I think somebody asked Don Fury, I guess I'm spoiling the Civ episode, but, um, and like, they were like, oh, he just was like a little practice, like some it practicing. Was. It was a right? peevee. We were just, like, we tried all this stuff and we just kept going back to this little peevee. And, you know, Don was so proud that his PV was like the one that made it. He's like, let's just go to the PV, man. You know, we're like, <laughs> we can SVG, we need this. And Don's just like, just use the PV, man. Don said he would talk to us, by the way, at some point. You got to get Don. He's and, and Jordan told us that we either need to have, we need to have him on with either Walter or with Porcel. He's like, he's like, you need to have Don and Porcel on at the same time. Yeah. So maybe we'll have to do that, Porcel, if you're down. Yeah, we spent I spent hours in that little dark basement with Don Fury, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to try um, real hard. We got anything else to say about start today? I do, but I mean, we could, uh, <laughs> yeah, this will just, just going. This will just be the start today podcast. Yeah, seriously. Who did the horns on the record? Was that? Oh, that uh, was no, that was a um, sound effects album. And uh, we talked about how I, I read somewhere about how that was also used in a Cheech and Chong movie. So I, on our wow. podcast, how it starts out with the horns, I didn't take it from start today. I took it from the Cheech and Chong movie. So it's like a scene where they're having a dream and you hear the off to the races and then there's like a press conference and everyone's clapping. So um, what? Uh, still smoking. Which... Our, um, was it Walter that said like he didn't know about that and they were watching? Yeah, he, he told this story about <laughs> his wife was like, oh, let's see if this is still funny. And they put in the Cheech and Chong movie and he said the horns came on and, and he, he said, like, he's like, am I supposed to be on stage right now? Like he was like, PTSD. Oh, wow, cool. <laughs> yeah. And he said, but uh, hopefully we can get Cheech and Chong on here too. Yeah. Put that out to the universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to get Cheech and Chong on uh, to maybe talk about their part and start today's story. And Toby, thank you for your podcast. I listen to it all the time. And oh, it's thank cool. you, man. It's thank cool you. shit yeah. to get people through the pandemic, and it's important. Yeah. 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 I love the, um, HR, the HR episode of No, I like the Walter sick. interview. I feel like every time I was like, I hope he asked this question, you were like on it and asked the question. Oh, yeah, man, thank fucking you. killer, the, man. The youth thank of today, you. we're not in this alone lineup, but you did each one, and I, I those were like my favorite because thank you. I, talked about, I love youth of today, but yeah, and Hell thanks yeah. so much for taking time and coming on our little show. Yeah, yeah. Problem. this yeah. is awesome. You guys are awesome. You guys are really doing a great thing here. It's great, man. Uh, Sam was telling me about it. Yeah, so hopefully, you'll uh, we can get shows back soon because like doing this like made me really miss seeing bands like even more. Like, yeah. you know, because we're talking about it and just yeah. gets me fired up. And all right, dudes, yeah. I got it. All right, guys. Yeah, thanks okay, so thank much. Thank you for your time. Joining to us. Uh, thank, you, guys, thank, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Toby, I don't you guys. Okay, so we just heard part two interview for Start Today. And hey, we there could be a part three someday. You never know, because there's people that we didn't talk to. Siv. That, that, like Siv, yes. I didn't <laughs> want to name names, but Siv, yeah. Um, 
We're looking and, for you, Siv. Yeah, we're gunning for you. And I, I thought this was a really cool interview. It was a really cool discussion about – we just keep saying what an important record this is. And I'm so glad that we got to have kind of a an outsider perspective from – Porcel and Sammy and Toby about the making of the record and the legacy of the record and like the longstanding impact of the record. And it's, you know, it's, it's not the same kind of impact as say an earth crisis destroy the machines or like a project X seven inch where it's like, or a youth of today where it's like, it, it was talking about a specific ethos or whatever but it's important for hardcore. It's important for hardcore kids. Uh, it's important for animal rights. It's important for girls and kids. And like we've just keep saying, this record is accessible to anyone. And that is part of the success of the record. Yeah. I mean, I don't have, like, I feel like we already gushed about it last time. Yeah. So I don't really have too much to add. I think oh, that um, this episode, these two episodes actually did make me fall back in love with the record because me falling victim to my own jokes about how it is starter pack hardcore or it is for <laughs> girls and kids. And so maybe I was like turned off to it a little bit and maybe burnt out on it a little bit, but I've listened to this record a lot since we started talking about it, especially side two. And for, for whatever reason, because, you know, I'm listening to it on glow in the dark vinyl, or I'm listening to it on my first press, which I own no big deal. But um, I also wanted to say real quick, I did put on the glow in the dark version of it. And there was a lot of like crackles and pops and hisses. And it made me feel like I was putting on an old 78 or something. It was very nostalgic. And I don't know uh -huh. if, I think you need to clean your needle. And I'll clean your needle, bud. <laughs> Ineffect video is awesome. Yes, it is. Yeah, we know video. Check out the Ineffect video. Check out Porcel, Sammy on drums, and the distance one. Of the, I think that's a killer song that I wish would have been recorded. I think it's a shame the second LP never came out. The pizza album. I do think they broke up at the right time, though. I thought about it, and I, you know, they broke up, and then you get Civ, and then you get Quicksand. Um, so on and so forth and then they came back at the right time so i wish they would play the distance like when they play like throw yeah. out like they, it's so not like I'm they sure. have they don't have like a, a vast catalog to draw from like i kind of think that would be like what do they call that like an easter egg they should yeah. throw that easter egg out there and play great the song um speaking of porcel in that video sorry to interrupt you jason but in the uh anti-matter anthology book by norm brannan Porcel does talk about when he grew his hair out and about how it was kind of like a rebellion and he was searching for himself. And he said, uh, here was me, the king of cliche with the champion sweatshirt, crew cut shorts. It was what I'd always worn, but now I was the walking quintessential straight edge kid. And even though I dressed the same, I grew my hair out as a revolt at that sort of thing. It was search for individuality everybody goes through it yeah i know <laughs> like to to look at you now with your long hair as or my short hair yeah compared to like cmo how we, we did it yeah. In cmo yeah so 
I think was that why, Jason? We kind of like we was counting me out like he was inspired wanna... by the in effect or we just like, video. We like <laughs> we don't want to look like a cookie cutter. Yeah, man. I think it was more that. Well, I mean, I went to the last. It was the last in my eyes show. We took a trip up to um, I don't think it was in Boston, but I remember looking around and being like, man, everybody kind of looks the same here, and I don't think that I want to look the same. Mm. But then you know things evolve, and then you know, a year or two later, everyone looks the same again, but it's yeah, you know, just <laughs> yeah. different. I can't so grow everybody... long hair. I would, I would just look like, like fat Howard Stern. I, I, <laughs> I would blame, awful. I would blame the influx of Britpop. And I mean, that might could, have something to we do could, with it. We could point towards a couple of individuals in the scene for kind of steering it towards that way. And, but I also think that if you could correct me if I'm wrong, but in the kind of early days of Count Me Out or like American Nightmare or whatever, when I didn't want to name names, but yes, Wes um, was the, the, the accessibility to poetry and to different kinds of music and maybe deeper and a little bit darker. And I, I always really enjoyed that about Count Me Out, especially with the, the artwork. And mm -hmm. it was, it was like, if you put the record on, you're like, oh, these guys, they just fucking look like in my eyes or whatever. But then you see and you're like, oh, they're wearing a lot of denim and their <laughs> hair's like a little bit longer. And yeah. they probably listen to Lush a lot. And, correct. and yeah. Stone Bloody Roses. Yeah. Stone Roses and Oasis. But those yeah. are, yeah, you're correct. That was also part of it too, is getting out of not, I used to wake up and listen to Youth of Today, Chain of Strength, judge maybe close the night out with quicksand but then so 2020 yeah uh, <laughs> so we're doing research for the podcast but yes yeah i think i think after a while i started to develop more interest in different genres and really just i think that's you know? just part of growing up it you is know, and, it and, is, and being accepting because when i was a kid like a real young kid my mom was super into like joni mitchell and Crosby, Stills, Nash and & Young and that kind of shit. And so my whole early adult life, I was like, this is weak bullshit. I don't want to listen to stuff. And now I'm like watching fucking nine minute Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Sweet Judy Blue Eyes videos on YouTube. Cause I'm like, yeah, man, this song's fucking cool. And yeah. I, I think that was a little bit of what, you know, a lot of people go through and, and you know, Porcel was talking about with that quote and eh, yeah, that, but that, that GB lineup on the in effect video is it's, that was my first like live maybe video experience of watching Gorilla Biscuits. And I was like, same this here. doesn't look the same as what's on the thing. And they're not youth crew. Like yeah. what's happening, but yeah. Well, before we close out, I do have to say I was wrong. Freddie Madball is not an extra on 12 Monkeys. Mm. Yeah. I watched the movie twice. <laughs> Myth busted. Catherine really enjoyed it. It's one of those moments like John Stewart moshing at the Dead Kennedy show that you want to believe, but it's not real. <laughs> and I was sent a video. My friend said, no, it's the devil's advocate. He walks across the street in the video in the movie. And I said, that, that is really him. It's not. I sent it to Toby and he said, that's definitely not him. In, in, uh, uh, in the devil's advocates. It's not him either. No, it's not. So <laughs> I don't think Madball has never been in any movies. Is that I what you're telling me? So. The New York Hardcore documentary. So. I'm checking yeah. IMDb. <laughs> yes. But but the um the Twelve Monkeys was filmed in Philly, I think. Was it? 
So yeah. in 12 Monkeys, there were promo posters for Illmatic by Nas. And I was like, well, that's cool. But, uh, yeah, but that's not that's not Freddie Mad. It's not Freddie Mad. But, you know, no, I just I'm saw wrong. a thing today about uh, I'm on a Facebook group for John Candy fans. <laughs> Seriously, <Okay. laughs> I saw a thing and someone's like he was, someone was like he was in Groundhog Day like as an extra and then everybody's like no he wasn't i saw the screen grab he wasn't so i know how you feel jason because yeah. i was really excited for a second but i guess that's all i got anyway. uh next release we don't necessarily know what's happening next right. time is we already talked about at the beginning the slipknot seven inch and we've already gotten a few phone calls uh to the google voice number talking about slipknot and i've actually seen a couple threads on Facebook in various groups that we're in, uh, Bit at Bow to No Echo uh, Hardcore group and maybe Demo Listen. Those are seem to be the, the two that I'm in the most, but I saw somebody talking about Slipknot and somebody brought up a, a wild theory or, or um, urban legend. And actually I, I, I could debunk it. Save it. I'm, I'm not even gonna bring it up. I'm just gonna yeah. tell you, people are talking about Slipknot. So, okay. That's it, I got Slipknot. It. Before we wrap it up, bit of bow to Lagan and his family. Um, we've been thinking of you. Oh so. yeah, absolutely, Lagan. Yeah, he um, I, he his uh, he lost his son to cancer. <clears throat> it sucks. Um, Lagan's a great dude. He is a great dude. So I just thinking wanted to give him a shout family. out. Absolutely. So, all right, all right. We'll see you next time. Bit of bow. Hey everybody, this is Javier from the Where It Went podcast. This month we hit 50 Patreon subscribers and we couldn't be happier about that. So we just wanted to give a quick bit of bow, almost said shout out, <laughs> to our top tier patrons, Siren Records, Billy Tunnell, Nate of Head to Wall Fame, Ed Goodlife, Chad Keplinger, Tim Shear, Mike the Mosher, O'Neill the Horsefucker, John Cowell and Brandon Gavell, but of course, everybody, we couldn't do this without you. Thanks so much for your help.